If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. Uh, We're going to continue the Christmas story today. We're going to read through uh, what we've been reading through, which is Luke chapter 2. And then I'd actually love it if you could put a finger in Matthew chapter 1, because I'm going to read both accounts of the Christmas story or the nativity story that come from two different apostles, Luke and Matthew. So most of the time when we hear, you know, air quotes, the Christmas story, right? When we hear the Christmas story, we are hearing a combination of two different perspectives. We're hearing an account from Luke, uh, who was a physician, and we're hearing an account from Matthew, all right? So two different perspectives. Oftentimes we blend the two narratives to get what we call the nativity story. But I really want to point out some of the amazing things that each of them highlight as they tell their story, starting with Luke chapter 2. And I want to reread what we've read throughout the month and just just really put a backstop to this story. Does that sound good to you guys? You guys ready? If you're in Luke chapter 2, say amen. If you're hungry to dive in for a word two days before Christmas, say amen. If you're excited about what the Holy Spirit might do in your life two days before Christmas, say amen. Hey, I didn't come here to do the religious thing. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm, we could all, you know, we, had, we could have had a buffet at home. But we came to church. We came to worship. So buffet is biblical. You know, Paul said, buffet your body daily. Oh, Buffett. It was Buffett. I thought it was. I must have read that wrong. It's Kentucky. I'm ready for Christmas. Can y'all tell? Okay, so if you're in Luke 2, say, I'm there. Okay, familiar story, right? And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Everybody say, normal people. They doing normal jobs, normal things, right? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. How many of you guys know that when you have an encounter with God, when you have a supernatural encounter with heaven, The natural byproduct, the normal human response is fear. Why? Because we're small, God's big, right? We're frail and sinful, God is grand and holy. Can I get two good amens about that, right? That's pretty normal, right? It's normal that we would experience great fear. That's what the shepherds experience. But then the angel says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That's the Advent message. It is Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. And this is going to be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I I, I skipped verse 11 by accident. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. All right, let's bounce back. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And this right here has become my favorite verse of Luke 2, verse 16. And they went with haste. I like that. They were go-getters. They had an encounter and they decided to do something about it. 
I don't know about you, man, but I'm ready to do something about what I hear preached every Sunday. I'm ready to do something about what I know God's releasing into the earth today. How about you guys? Because I'm ready to see something. I'm ready to see a sign. I'm ready to have an encounter. I'm ready to see something awesome. And then that's what happened here to the angels. They went and then they saw something. They, they, saw, they saw Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. They prophesied to him. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Then Mary treasured up all the things in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. That's a good story. What do you guys think? It's a good story. Well, I love the fact that Luke, he really highlights Mary, the mother of Jesus. But if you'll turn back to Matthew, you'll notice that Matthew highlights Joseph, the father of Jesus. It's a beautiful two perspectives blended into one beautiful nativity story. So let's, let's, let's go back here, Matthew chapter 1. And I want to read uh, Matthew's version of the story, verse 18 uh, through 23. We'll end with a strong, uh, put the nail on 23, all right? So, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Everybody say Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Jesus. You guys say it, Emmanuel. And in my Bible, it's in parentheses, which I think this is pretty cool. Which means, gives us a breakdown, gives us a definition of what Emmanuel means, of who Emmanuel is, of who the Son of God is, of who the Messiah is, Jesus Christ. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, and man, this is good news of great joy, God with us. Today, you might feel far from God, but that's not the truth. Because Emmanuel has come to be God with us. God is here. Amen? God is here right now, this morning. Whatever you need, I can promise you it's in this room. You know why? Because God is here. Because God is here, and it's good for us to take notice of that as we start this off. I'm going to talk today from the subject of Emmanuel, dot, 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 which means, or comma, which means. Emmanuel, which means. Let's explore that today. Sound fun? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for Emmanuel. We thank you that you sent your son uh, to be born 2,000 years ago, that we might be sinless today, that we might be spotless, that we might be righteous and holy, that we might be cleansed by his blood, his pure and spotless blood. Lord, I thank you that we get to stand here before you today as your sons and your daughters, as the family of God. Lord, I ask that you would use this Christmas season to just rock our world and the revelation that we have of Jesus. Redefine the nature and the goodness of Jesus in our lives. 
I, I pray for us now, God, that how good we think you are, that you would elevate that definition so far beyond our expectations that we would just get a new picture of you this holiday season. How's that, guys? That we would just, we'd just have mind-blowing, life-changing encounters with Emmanuel. And, and that you would change us, God, to where we know you're always with us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Well, I wish you Merry, uh, wished you Merry Christmas, and uh, honestly, this is just the, this is the best time of year, isn't it? Do you, guys, you guys love Christmas? I know so, Chris, some people have like a love or hate kind of relationship with Christmas, but it sounds like I'm in the room with a lot of people who love it, so. Uh, what do you love about Christmas? You know, it's probably a question that we could all talk through for the next few hours, because there's a lot of things about Christmas that people enjoy, other things, that stuff that people despise, aka eggnog. Who drinks it? I don't know. Just kidding. I don't know. I actually, I actually never even drink eggnog. I don't even know it's good. It's not that good? No? Okay. So we have a consensus. Eggnog is terrible. Um, no, I mean, everybody likes the holidays for different reasons, right? Um, now, at the expense of sounding shallow, I mean, can I tell you why I like the holidays? Gifts. Yeah, I love gifts, particularly nice gifts. Does everybody else in here enjoy the same? Okay, so we have a few more people. In first service, I mentioned this, and no one shouted. Sounds like we have a few other people in here who like nice gifts. I like nice gifts, all right? I'm sorry. I, Sorry, not sorry, right? But as a kid growing up, you know, I'm the oldest of four boys. So nice gifts, you know, my parents really had to pull out all the stops to make sure we had nice gifts. And my dad is a huge gift giver. So when, when my dad buys you a gift, you will always get it before it's intended time. Because it's like burning a hole in his pocket or in his closet. Like he can't help it. Like every Christmas growing up, my dad would be like, Melissa, let's give the kids their gifts. And she'd be like, no, it's not Christmas. He'd be like, come on, let's give it to them. Let's go. Come on, let's get them out. Let's go. One gift, one gift. Can we give them one gift? And so for my dad's sake, we, did, we started doing this thing in the Phillips home where we got to open up one gift on Christmas Eve, our choice from under the tree, because my mom would wrap some gifts, and if there are any kids in here, you might want to do earmuffs, but like we didn't do like the whole Santa Claus thing growing up. We always knew it was my parents, okay? And, uh, and my parents, for whatever reason, it's probably my dad, it was really probably Jeff Phillips, but they would showcase the gifts. They wouldn't even wrap them. They would like take the boxes that the gifts came in and like stack them and they'd have different tiers of gifts so that as you woke up on Christmas morning, you'd have like this journey through your gifts. It'd be like you got this first and this may not be super exciting because maybe that was like an article of clothing that you needed, but it was still cool. And then you'd eventually get to the video games, which in our house was top tier. What games did we get? Yes, we, are, we loved games. Maybe we get a new basketball. But, you know, for me, as I started to think about Christmas this week, I was like, man, that's some of my favorite memories. And, and in fact, that was some of my favorite gifts in life. Uh, I got a Chicago Bulls starter jacket. What's up? Yep, for those of you guys who remember that, you remember the Apex one? The pullover, that Chicago Bulls? Man, that was fresh. The Jordan 11s. Okay, I got those for Christmas one year. For those of you sneakerheads in here, you know those are, man, that's a grail right there. Jordan 11s with the patent leather. Okay, yes, yeah, a few people. Okay, yeah, a few people. So, you know, I got those as a kid. Uh, the Game Boy, 
you know, that, that, I'm, I'm showing my age now. The Game Boy, man, that was, that was a nice gift. And then you could, on the way to Florida, you know, you play the games, not be bothered by your little brothers. You could zone out, put the headphones in. That was a nice gift. And then uh, one year, my parents got us a go-kart, and it was real expensive, and we broke it in three days. <laughs> no, no lie. We were doing flips in it and, like, everything, and we got in so much trouble for that. My dad is probably still mad about that. But, you know, I, I loved going. We used to go sledding with my mom. My dad never would go out in the snow. He didn't really like the snow, don't really like the beach. I don't know. My dad's he's, he's interesting. He likes hotels and steak. So, you know, but... I am my father's son. You know, I do a little outdoor, but, you know, let's do some steak. So, you know, we would go out. we go sledding with my mom, and, and we always loved that. we build a snowman. And, and believe it or not, the news would actually come by my house, and like the newspaper, local newspaper, because my mom, she's always been an artist. She was a muralist, and she would actually sculpt like 10 to 12-foot statues out of snow, and she'd spray paint them. It's true. She would do that. And then we put it out in the front yard and the newspaper would come up, take pictures. They put it in the newspaper every year. Isn't that cool? That's what, that's what she did. And so my mom loved that. And I loved doing that with my mom because we'd build stuff together and we'd go sledding. And then we'd always come in and we'd drink uh, Swiss Miss with the mini marshmallows. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's the Lord right there. It's mini marshmallows, man. It's a cup of glory. And uh, we do that, sit next to the fireplace, you know. That, Christmas is all about the memories. That's the point I'm trying to make. You guys, you guys with me? The reason why Christmas is cool today as an adult, primarily, I think, is because of the memories you have of Christmas when you were growing up, right? You remember what your house smelled like. You remember how your mom decorated or your dad decorated. You remember doing the tree. Like the memories of Christmas is one of the things that I think is really, really beautiful about Christmas itself. The memories that I have about Christmas is why I want to make Christmas special for my kids, you know, so they can have good memories. Like my wife and I this year, we haven't even bought each other anything yet because we just pretty much gave all of our money to our kids. Uh, that's called adulting, um, right? <clears throat> oh, man. We're going to get a massage together, I think, something like that. I don't know. We're going to do something special. Anyways, we, we have each other. That's a gift. All, all year long. But it's the memories, the memories of Christmas that make Christmas so special. And even when we, come to, when we come to church on Christmas, it's kind of the same, isn't it? It's like we still do worship, but a lot of times we'll sing Christmas carols, but the message is kind of similar. And then we remember, we have the memories of the nativity. You know, maybe we go to a church, they have a live nativity. You know, we hear the Christmas story. Maybe we have Santa at church. Maybe we have somebody dress up like Jesus. Maybe we do a, a play, right? It's kind of the same thing that we do every year. And for me, sometimes, can I be honest with you guys? Sometimes that gets a little tough because it, it, it feels like to me it may, it's more about the holidays than it really is about the arrival. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, I love it. I love the holidays, I love the memories, I love the nativity scene and the story and the lights and the dinners and the food and, and like hanging out and getting the gifts and all those things are amazing. But because Christmas is so much about the memories and we've rehearsed the story so many times, it's very easy to not allow the story to get in us, to actually address us. It's so very easy to get sentimental about the season and not actually allow Advent to address us. 
And the whole nature of Advent is about Jesus Christ being born again, again into your life. It's about the message of Advent, which means the arrival. It's about God, Emmanuel, the creator of the universe, becoming a human being, and that reality addressing us and the way in which we live. Got quiet all of a sudden. You know, how many of you guys know, getting sentimental about Jesus is the religious way of ignoring Jesus. But around this holiday season, it's so easy to get sentimental about Jesus. Oh, we do this. This is our tradition. This is what we eat. This is what we don't. This is what we do. There's all these things. But the reality is to celebrate Christmas as a Christian is to take note of the truth, which is God, Emmanuel, God with us in the form of Jesus Christ, has come to the earth. And because of that reality, everything about our lives is different. So we have to allow the season to speak to us and not just celebrate it. We have to allow Advent uh, to address us and transform us so that we can be changed in the way that God wants us to be changed to step into the next season of our lives in the way he longs for us to step in. And that's not going to come as a result of just celebrating a holiday, but it's going to come as a result of seeing a person, which is Emmanuel. Emmanuel which means, what does that mean exactly? Now, we have an English translation. The Hebrew word is just one word, right? Emmanuel. Emmanuel, one word, right? But for us to translate that into English, it requires three. God with us. That is the definition of this name that has been given 800 years before Jesus was born through the prophet Isaiah. Emmanuel is God with us. Us. This is one word. It is one name. It is one small word. But truly, we could spend our entire lives studying this word, praying through this word, recognizing the reality of this truth. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, he actually passed away with these words on his lips. The best of all is God with us, Emmanuel. Emmanuel was the last word that John Wesley whispered before he passed on into eternity. Isn't that crazy? That a man who preached the gospel all over the planet, that on his final day on the earth, this is what he was thinking about, the reality that God, the creator of the universe, had come in the form of a human being, Jesus Christ, and that he was here with us. John Wesley, he died with Emmanuel on his lips. We must live with the reality of Emmanuel on our hearts. This is it. So what do these three words mean? God with us. God with us. I'm actually going to break down each and every word. God with and us, okay? I'm going to give you guys three points real quick about what Emmanuel means. You guys down for it? Down for a little study on just before Christmas. Emmanuel, which means, point one, God. This is going to be the most epic sermon notes you ever take. God is the title. I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that, right? That's what Emmanuel means. That's where we start. Emmanuel means God with us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Virgin Mary conceived and bore a son whose name is, I was was asking for some help. I was expecting some help. 
whose name is Jesus, right? And Jesus is Emmanuel. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is God. See, at Christmas time, we remember the reality that Jesus Christ is God. Do I, do I need to do that again for theatrical purposes? Jesus Christ is God. Not a religion. Not an alternative. Uh, what did Asaph say last week? Not a health food. Not a supplement. Jesus Christ is God and he is with us. The Christmas story in its essence is actually quite simple. It is not just about the quote unquote holidays. It is this, God, who is Jesus, who created the universe has come to earth in the form of a human being. That is what it means to truly celebrate Christmas as a Christian. It is to acknowledge this fact that Jesus is God and everything else in our lives and on this planet is secondary. I mean, what if you started to live like that? Jesus is God. Jesus is king. Jesus is number one. Jesus is premier. Everything else in my life and on this earth is absolutely secondary. That's how a Christian celebrates Christmas. It remembers the reality that Emmanuel has come and he is who he says he is, God. And if you don't acknowledge this as you celebrate Christmas, well, Christmas really doesn't make any sense. Neither does Christianity. Christianity doesn't make any sense without first confessing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, which is God. That's where Christianity begins. Every other religion in the world has a founder. Every other religion in the world has a teacher. And, uh, you know, if you study them, most of them, uh, you'll notice that they'll suggest if you simply practice morality and you practice goodness and you pursue that with everything you've got, then eventually you will, you will be led to God. You'll find God. If you'll practice goodness and you'll practice morality and you'll be a good human and you'll meditate and, you know, do a few hours of yoga a week, I don't know, I'm making that part up, but, you know, you'll eventually get to, you'll eventually get to God. Here's what Christianity says. No, you won't. Amen. <laughs> a little offensive, isn't it? But that's the nature of what Jesus came to do. Nope, Christianity's actually quite exclusive. Because you know what Christianity says? Morality and goodness, just not good enough. And that's what we remember at Christmas time. It's like, nope, it's not good enough. Christianity is more than a good teacher. Christianity is more than good teachings. Christianity is more than principles. Christianity is more than disciplining yourself to live a good life, to live a moral life, to, give, to, to pursue goodness in such a way that eventually you'll just show up and find God. Christianity says, nope, that's not true. You'll find God one way. Here it is, Jesus. <laughs> your goodness, your morality, not enough. You need Jesus. You need Emmanuel. You need God with you. You need somebody, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, the good news of great joy, to cleanse you from your sin, to deal a death blow to your guilt, so then you can find God, because you'll never be able to do that on your own. And that's what Christmas reminds us of. Jesus was born. God, the creator of the universe, came to earth in the form of a human being. He lived, he died, and he resurrected so that I could have abundant life in him forever. You guys tired of hearing that message? I, I pray you're not. You'll hear it for all of eternity. 
And sometimes you get, you get bored with the Christmas message. The reality is the Christmas message is quite simple. It's this. Jesus is God. I like that. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is God. There's only one way to get to heaven. Jesus. There's only one way to see God. Jesus. There's only one way to abundant life. Jesus. Now, actually, see, it's good for We can shout about this in church, but this is unpopular in culture. You can't say this in culture. You know, you'll get roasted. People won't say it. Most Christians won't say it. Like, but that's reality because that's what the Christmas story is. Yeah. It's that. Jesus is God. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, that's narrow-minded. It's not narrow-minded if it's true. Yeah. 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 Come on. Can we go there just for a minute? Just make a little pit stop right there. You know, so, like if you went to see a doctor, right, because you were like, man, I'm not good on the inside. And you went to see a doctor, and they treated you, and they said, you know what? You're fine. Head on home. Get some rest. Drink a Gatorade. You'll be back. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, um, nope, you're not fine. You're terminal. Take this medicine or else you're going to die. Am I being narrow-minded? No, I'm not because either I'm right or I'm wrong. But I'm not trying to be narrow-minded. I'm trying to save your life. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I got three people excited about that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not being narrow-minded. I'm trying to save your life. There's only one way to be well. There's only one way to abundant life. There's only one way to eternal life. There's only one way to glory and joy and celebration and life upon life upon life for all of eternity. And it is through what the Christmas season says is Emmanuel, which we know is Jesus. That's what Christmas reminds us of. Emmanuel, which means God. God. This is who God is. And this is what that means. Jesus is God. And this is the only way. This is the truth. Morality and goodness are simply not good enough. And that's what Christmas reminds us of. In all of my goodness, in everything that I did right in 2018, I'm still not cleaned up enough to approach God on my own merit. I still need Emmanuel. I still need a Savior. I still need the Son of God, Jesus, who was born 2,000 years ago and laid in a manger. I still need him, and that's what Christmas is about. I'm acknowledging that, man. I need more than a good teacher, God. I need to be cleaned up before you. I need the Son of God. That's what Christmas is about. You guys like that point? Emmanuel, which means God. Now, Emmanuel, point two. Emmanuel, which means God with. Everybody say with. Allison and I talked about this point this week. It was like, how are you going to make a point out of the word with? You know? But the reality is this word with, God with us, is actually quite significant. Notice that the Bible doesn't say God around us. Right? Or God near us. Or that God sees us. Or that even God loves us. What Emmanuel means is that God is with us. And when Jesus arrived on planet earth, here's what it meant. Jesus is God and God is now here. And he is with us, not just in the sky. And he has come in the form of a baby. Now, that's surprising because I would think that anybody who heard Isaiah's prophecy would be quite terrified by the reality of God showing up and being with them. Because up until this point, God had been pretty scary to interact with. Don't touch the mountain or you'll die. Don't touch the ark or you'll die. Don't get too close to the thunder. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I'm freaked out trying to follow God. There's a pillar of fire by the night and a cloud during the day. Like, God is with us. That sounds pretty terrifying. Right? The oldest book in the Bible, Job, right? God showed up. The Bible says that, that God showed up in the whirlwind. You know what a whirlwind is? It's a, it's a tornado. Yes. How many of you guys ever seen a tornado? Were you comforted by it? Nope. Just feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Tornado heading toward me. No, that's terrifying, right? So whenever Isaiah says, hey, Emmanuel's coming, it's going to be God with you. Think, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Maybe he doesn't show up in a whirlwind. Maybe he encounters us in the same way he encountered Abraham, which said that he was a smoking furnace flying through the air. Now that, that's creepy. Seriously, a smoking furnace flying through the air? I don't want a smoking furnace to land on me. I don't know about you. That just doesn't sound comforting. So I'm the only one. Okay. Can you imagine that though? Like, there's a. That, that's funny that Abraham translated it like that. All right? Look at that smoking furnace. Okay, that's weird. But that's what God meant to people in this time. Incredible heat. That seems pretty scary. How about Moses? You know, Moses, he shows up in a burning bush and a pillar of fire. Whenever God shows up and he's with somebody, it's like, there's a pillar of fire right there. I will, I'll get hurt. That's scary. Okay, last one. How about the temple, right? When the temple, uh, you know, when God would show up in the temple, well, there'd be the Shekinah glory cloud. In Hebrew, the kabod, which means weightiness. And God would show up in the house and what would happen? The priest and no one could even stand to minister. Meaning they were forced down to the floor as the result of God being with them. You can't get anything done from the floor. You know what I mean? It's hard to be productive at work when you're on the floor. Right? Hard to get anything done around the house when you're stuck to the tile. But in the Old Testament, when God was with somebody, this is what it meant. It was a little bit scary. It would freak you out. You would think to yourself, man, I'm terrified. I mean, that's exactly the experience that the shepherds had, right? But see, it's one thing to experience God. It's another thing to be with God. Everybody say with It's a completely different thing there because the implication when you use the word with is intimacy. It is absolutely possible to be in somebody's presence but not have intimacy with them. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's absolutely possible to be in someone's presence but not be in their face. You guys know what I mean? That's absolutely possible. You can be in someone's general presence, but not actually meet them. It's totally possible for you to be in the room today with someone else and never meet them. Right? Are you in the room with them? Yep. Have you had intimacy intimacy with them? No. Right? Have you met them? Have you been in their face? No. Is it possible that we've had the same experience with God? Is that we've been in the general presence of God, but never actually have an intimacy with them? Is it possible that we've been in the presence of God, but never actually had been with him? 
That's what Jesus came to overcome. And, this, and I, I thought about this this week in this sense. It's like, you, you guys remember like when Justin Bieber was doing a bunch of concerts and they'd do all those documentaries on them and stuff and you'd watch these girls and they'd be so stoked and they'd be in the car and like their dad would be driving them and he would look miserable. And, but they were like playing Biebs like super loud and they're bouncing around like, we're gonna see Bieber and their faces are painted and they have posters and they're stoked. And then they finally get in the same room with him, Right? And they, they get inspired, they are motivated, they're encouraged, they're jumping up and down. It's like a worship service in there. And then they get selected to meet him. What happens when they meet? They pass out, they faint. You know, you know, oh my God, I can't talk to him. I can't talk to him. I can't talk to him. He's like, you've been talking about him for the last four years. Like you have a, a mosaic of his face plastered inside of your locker. But when you have the opportunity to actually shake his hand, you fall on the ground. I think some of us are like that with God. You know what I'm saying? Our favorite scriptures on our wallpaper, on our phone, right? We talk about God a lot. We like to be in the general vicinity of God. We're pretty religious. It says so on our Facebook. But when we actually, you see what I'm saying? But when we actually have the opportunity to be with God and an implication of intimacy to look at him face to face and have experiential knowledge of his person, we're like, that's scary. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference between being around somebody and being. So the implication is, hey, God said, I don't want to be around you. I want to be with you. I don't want to just be in your vicinity. I've, I've done that. I want to be with you. I want to have intimacy with you. I want to make your heart my home. I want to dwell within you. I want to be with. It's a completely different thing to be in somebody's presence and to be with them. God said he came to be with us. And sure, that may feel a little scary. But you know, that's why he came in the form he came in. Because for thousands of years, he'd showed up as a whirlwind, a tornado, a fiery furnace, or a smoking furnace. He'd shown up as pillars of fire. He'd shown up as glory clouds. I mean, there's all these different expressions that God chooses to take on to manifest his power. But when Emmanuel comes, he comes with a certain gentleness. He comes with a certain delicacy. He comes with a certain sensitivity. He comes in the form of a newborn baby. Now, I don't know about you, but it's I'm not scared of newborn babies per se. I mean, there's moments, some of them right? But all joking aside, the reality is, is that most newborn babies, almost all, they're vulnerable. They're open. They're ready to be loved and ready to give love. They're ready to be comforted and ready to cuddle. It's like four people in here had an experience with a newborn. I can't tell. You guys are pretty quiet. You know what I'm talking about. So God chooses to manifest himself in this way because he's trying to show us, hey, look how approachable I am. Come pick me up. Invite me in. I want to be open. I want to be sensitive. I want to be delicate. I want to be vulnerable. I want to be with you. Babies are intimate. Babies are familiar. Babies are always accessible until they turn about three. You know, but here's the thing. He didn't come as a three-year-old. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? But he didn't come as a three-year-old. He came as a baby. 
brand new expression of what God is actually like and the relationship that God actually opens up for us is that we can be with him without any fear. Complete connection and comfort. Without any of those things in the way that just mess up love for us as adults. You know, love with a child is so pure, it's so easy, it's so simple, it's so direct, right? And that's the same way that Jesus wants to be with us. He wants to be with us in a no pretense, absolutely vulnerable, transparent, and connected way. You guys know that, right? Yeah? Because he said, I'm Emmanuel, I'm God with you. And this is how I choose to be. This is how I choose to show up. Emmanuel, which means, there's point three, God with us. God with us. Jesus is God, and here's the truth. He's here with us right now, today. But why doesn't the Bible say God with all? Ever thought about that? I mean, like, there's this amazing prophecy, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not all. Now, we know that, 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 that Jesus came, and it was good news of great joy for all the people. It, it, it's definitely a fact. It's definitely reality that Jesus came for all, but the Bible doesn't say that he is God with all. The Bible says that he is God with us. He's not God with all, but he is God with us. Now, that may sound a little exclusive, but we must remember that Christianity is not just another moral group with a certain moral teacher. That's not what it is. When God says he's with us, here's who us is. It's those who've not only received the invitation, but those who've accepted it. That's who us is. God's given the invitation to the world, but only those who've chosen to receive the child Jesus, who've chosen to receive Jesus as the Messiah, who've chosen to receive the arrival, the advent. God is with us. We've received it. The us, they're the normal people who've chosen to receive it. The us could be the shepherds, but the us every, every, every time are the humble people. It could be the outcast. It could be the shepherds. Heck, it could be the astrologers, these people who are just studying the stars with a little bit of knowledge about you know, Hebrew scripture and prophecy, and then all of a sudden end up at the stable with Jesus recognizing that he is the one true God and king. The us could be the seekers, the inquirers. The us could be anybody who is genuinely looking to receive the invitation of Advent to receive Jesus as God. That is who us is. And it requires that we come to him like a baby, not defending ourselves. You don't defend yourself to a baby. You defend yourself to a judge, right? if If I had to go to court this afternoon and I was on trial, I can guarantee you that I would have done all the work I could possibly do to step into that courtroom prepared. Yep. How about you guys? Yep. And I would compile all of the information necessary to ensure that I would be recognized as innocent. Yeah. I haven't done anything wrong, judge, right? I would, do, I would fill all the folders full. I would just compile a list with references from all of the people that I know that have never gotten in trouble. You know what I mean? And I'd say, see here, look, look at all my references. That's not who us is. Us is not the people who come before God and say, God, but I did all of these things right. Therefore, you have to receive me. I've done everything that you said in the book. So therefore, you have to accept me. You have to bless me. You have to be upon my life. That's not who us is. 
Us are the folks that come before God without references, like the shepherds. Us are those that come before God humble. Us are those that come before God saying, you know what? I may have done a, right, a lot of things right in 2019. May have done more stuff wrong, but here's the deal. I got Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, I have Emmanuel, and he is with me. And because Jesus is with me, I'm received. I may have a normal job. I may be a shepherd, shepherd, but I'm received. I may be a little strange and be an astrologer, but I'm received. Yeah. You know, I may be somebody who's done a lot of great things in business, but here's the thing. None of that equates connection to God. It's simply Jesus. None of my abilities, none of my shortcomings, none of the good, none of the bad. It's all because of Emmanuel that I have a connection with God. I have received that invitation simply and surely as a shepherd. And as a result, God is with me. That's it. That's how we come before God. Humble and open, not with our hands full. Can't hold a baby with your hands full. More sensitivity, more delicacy required. Just be a simple shepherd in his presence with Jesus. And God is with us. Do you guys get anything out of that? Okay, so now what I want to do is I want to shift a little bit, but it's definitely connected to the message. And I want to give you uh, three Christmas gifts not Oprah. There's nothing taped to the bottom of your seat. All right. Um, hashtag goals. That'd be awesome. <laughs> hey, next year's Christmas Eve services would be so slam packed. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, I don't know what I could give 125 people at once. Um, three points from a sermon. Okay. You guys ready? So I gave you three points on Emmanuel. I'm going to give you three quick points uh, then the worship team is going to come. I'm going to give you three quick points that I just, I'm just going to call Christmas gifts, uh, you know, from Pastor Lau. How's that? Okay. So it's all from the sermon, but I want you to write these things down if you're taking notes, because as you're preparing to step into 2019, writing goals, things like that, I want you to remember these things, please. Number one, if he is Emmanuel, if he is God with us, then you need to take the limits that you've put on yourself off. Take off the limits you've put on yourselves. Here's why, because God's with you. So if God is with you, what is it that you cannot not do? If you're truly dialed in to the reality that every business deal that you make, God's with you, what is it that you cannot do? If you're, if you're, if you're under the impression of the truth that God is living on the inside of you, what is it that you cannot create? Where is it that you cannot go? What is it? What mountain can you not scale? Because God made the mountain, right? Everything is possible when you come to the understanding that God is with you. And 2019 is a destined season. It's an, a, it's an appointed time for you to breach the limits that you've placed upon yourself last year. Is that okay if I prophesy that to you? Hey, can I tell you this? Your bad habits are no match for God. Your bad habits are no match for the Prince of Peace. Your bad habits are no match for the Messiah. He can overcome those. And uh, this, is, this is a sub point, but it's simple. Can I share it with you? Get rid of the cynicism. Just 2019, just kick cynicism in the throat. Drop kick it in the throat. You know? You know, cynicism is nothing more than this, laziness. That's all it is. Because it takes work to actually change things. So when I'm cynical, I'm just sitting back in my lazy boy, 
criticizing other people instead of getting in the game and actually doing something about the limits I've placed upon myself that keep me in the lazy boy. You see what I'm saying? And so like, if God is with us, there's no need to be cynical because there's nothing that you cannot accomplish. What can God do in your life in 2019 if you take the limits off? Here's another question. What can God do in your family? Here's a follow-up. What can God do in your church? You know, we've been praying through this now for a couple of months and just asking God, what do you want to do through our church in 2019? You know what? We set some pretty big goals. You know why? Because God's with us. Not because we're so great. We're already aware of that reality. (laughs) Unless the Lord builds the house, the labor is labor in vain. Because Emmanuel has showed up, Advent is happening, God is with us, we got to take the limits off. Take the limits off. All right, y'all ready for point two? So look, you know how when you, when, you, when you open up Christmas gifts, I don't know if you're one of the people, you go for the biggest one first or the smallest one first. Which one are y'all? Smallest, smallest right? Because you got to level up, right, as you go. So you want the heavier one last so you can get like the, you know, icing on the cake, right? That's how I did these points. So every gift gets a little heavier, which means it's a little harder to carry. <laughs> ready for, are you, you sure you're ready for point two? No, point two is this. Um, it, it reads simple but it's actually quite heavy. Christmas is all about getting near Jesus, getting with Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. But let me say a few things about point two. Actually, let me ask you a question. What's keeping you from God? Like you, you, you've heard the message, Emmanuel, God with, with, with us, intimately with us. What is keeping you from being with God? God? What is keeping you from being with God in his presence? Very simple, very plain, very direct question. How close are you with Jesus? Very simple question. How close are you with Jesus right now? Because that's what Advent's about. Advent, Christmas is about getting near to Jesus. Not just family, not just food. Advent is about getting near to Jesus. How close are you with Jesus right now? What's keeping you? Is it sin? He can deal with that. Is it shame? He can deal with that. Is it bad habits? Is it discipline? Is it just time? Hey, is it your phone? That one seemed to hit home. There's a, the, the new iOS is, is, is very convicting. They got that little app, Screen Time. And you can just, yeah, I know. Some of y'all already know. Yep. And you can weigh it against. Hey, did I pray that much? Because as often as I say I don't have time to pray, the screen time sure has proven that to be false. And I get it. You might need it for your job, but I think you guys got the point, right? What's keeping you from them? And you may say to yourself, well, that's going to cost me to get closer to God. Yep, it will. But here's the thing. It's not going to cost you anything by comparison to what it cost him to get with you. And because he's paid it all to be with you, all we have to do is surrender ourselves to be with him, just to receive the invitation. The invitation's already out there. All right, you guys ready for point three? Todd, you can go ahead and come up, brother. All right, so I, I did tell you it got a little heavier, right? 
How many of you guys are afraid now of point three? Oh, it's a good gift. Point three. Um, a lukewarm response is no longer rational. You know, anybody who ever met Jesus in the Bible had one of three responses. One, they were terrified and they ran the opposite direction. Two, they wanted to kill him. Or three, they fell on their face and put everything before him and followed him. So a lukewarm response where Jesus just kind of fits into your life is biblically irrational. It makes no biblical sense whatsoever. Either run away or you get angry. You want to cut them out. Or you fall on your face and you say, I surrender. I receive the invitation. God is with us. So anything less than that for 2019, guys, is compromise. Just lay it all down and not allow a lukewarm response that only works on your time to be any part of being with God on your journey. Because of who Jesus is, lukewarmness is no longer allowed. And everyone said, amen. I want to ask you guys to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to close with a Christmas carol together, a little candlelight. But before we do that, I just want everyone to close their eyes, please. If you don't mind, just keep your head up, but just close your eyes, please. Throughout the month of December, we have consistently created space at the end of our service for all of us to make a fresh start in getting near Jesus. And if you're in the room today and you are not saved, and you know it. You know you're disconnected and far from God. This is your moment with every single person's eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. If you just need to make a fresh start with God today and you're disconnected and distant, you can raise your hand as well. I see you. Awesome. I see you. Great. Wonderful. Awesome. Great. We're going to pray for you right now. We're going to pray with you as a family and we're going to welcome you home into the embrace of God because here's the deal. He's with you right now. There's nothing you've done. There's nothing you've said. There's no place you've strayed away that has caused God to turn his back on you. He is just as welcoming as he was when he was laid in the manger and today is your day. Right now is your moment. Salvation is yours. It belongs to you because he is Emmanuel. So let's pray together, family. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I receive your blood for my forgiveness. Wash me and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lead me in righteousness all the days of my life. I will walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen.